The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio, we're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think, feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And once again, this week is no exception. We've got a new guest. He's a real guys guy, and he's got a lot of information to share with us today. We're going to talk about really holistic medicine and and a lot of natural cures and natural solutions to uh, and wellness and ways of keeping ourselves healthy in a natural way. And his name is Dr. Jason Loken. He's a naturopathic doctor and osteopathic manual practitioner. He's got his own podcast like so many people today have, and his is a good one. It's called Inspired Health Podcast, and he's got a new book called Nature Care Soul, Lu Shuns, and it's about natural first aid essentials for every family, and that's what we're going to talk about today, plus so much more on Guys Guys Radio. So how's everybody doing out there? We're deep into January now. It's going so fast, 2023. Wow. It's off to a kind of a, a crazy start like every one of the past few years has been where the stock market's not doing too well and there's a lot of fear mongering out there. But here on Guys Guys Radio, we look for new information, new ideas, new concepts and ways to help you live your best life. That's what I'm here for. I bring in the guests that'll share their information with you and then you, deter- then you determine if it works for you and if you can fold it and weave it into your life to make it as good as that can be. So recently, I, uh, I started writing my blog again. I had done over 300 blog posts on my website, robertmanni.com, and I also wanted to submit to uh, UK uh, Health Radio's got a magazine, so I submitted something there. We'll see if it gets picked up, but it will go on my blog on robertmanni.com, and I wanted to write about uh, something that's relevant to what we're going to talk about t- in today's show. And the name of my blog post is Aging is a Choice. And it's really about a lot of the practices I personally have put into place to keep myself as well as possible and as healthy as possible and as positive as possible and really do everything I can to keep my frequency and vibration up there because with everything going on in the world today and all the negativity out there, it's a real challenge sometimes. And we've got to take things into our own hand. And you know, there's so much there's so much resources out there in terms of Western medicine and 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 ways to keep healthy through the system, if you will. But ultimately, you know, they say that we're born alone and we die alone. Well, a lot of times <laughs> our health is handled on our own. And so we really have to be smart about that. So I urge everybody to do as much research as you can to read and really learn about really the wonders of the nature that are out there and things you can do on your own that really don't cost a lot of money to keep you going and keep you a healthy mind, body, and spirit. So I picked out five things out of about 15 that I wrote down that I do every day, and I'm going to share them with you right now before we get into our interview. So the first thing I've done to really change things is 
I started fasting. I started doing inter intermittent fasting about a year ago. I had tried like four times and it didn't work for me. And intermittent fasting is really you eat at a framework or a window during the day, usually about six hours. So I eat between noon and about 6 or 7 p.m. And then I don't eat again for the next 18 hours. And that's the traditional way it's done. There's a lot of other variations. But basically, you're giving your body a chance to rest and repair itself before you eat your next meal. And the thinking behind it is we eat way more than we need, and a lot of the foods we eat aren't that great for us anyhow. So I've been doing intermittent fasting, and it finally clicked in about a year ago. It's kept my weight down. It's not like a yo-yo diet. I feel great, my energy's up, and I'm eating less, and I'm eating better foods. I'm eating more organic, uh, more natural products, more raw, and I just feel a lot better. So it's worked for me, and once again, these are the things I do that work for me. I'm not telling you that you have to do them. You do what works for you, but this has worked for me. I'm a boomer, and it's really kept my energy up there, and I feel fantastic. Secondly, I got into meditation about 10 years ago, and I've been doing it every day, every morning, and it makes a huge difference in terms of really setting the tone for the day, getting me relaxed, getting me positive, clearing out all the cobwebs, clearing out all the negativity and the garbage floating around in my mind, and gets me ready to attack and address each and every day. The third thing I've done is I stopped drinking like about almost three years ago now, and it's made a huge difference in that I feel a lot better. I don't get a hangover. I didn't have a problem with drinking, but I just felt at a certain point uh, enough's enough. I had worked in the industry for a long time, and it's like, I, I don't need this anymore, and I have nothing against it. And if people can know how to manage it, that's great. A lot of people can't manage it. That's not good. For me, I just decided I'd had enough, and you know what? I feel fantastic. Uh, number four, I started swimming. I had been a runner and uh, in the gym all the time, lifting weights and stuff. And at a certain point, your body says, you know what? I don't know. This might be too much of this. So I had to find alternatives. So I got into stretching. I got into the Dan Millman's Peaceful Warrior Workout, which I do every morning also. But also I started swimming, and I found it's a fantastic workout. It really keeps me in shape. All that breathing, uh, the gliding through the water, it just feels fantastic. And it's a, it's a better workout for me, at least, than running was. And I ran three marathons and I love running, but I've come to love swimming as much. And it's really less stressful on my body and my joints and skeletal system. And number five, I decided that after I had a, two robotic surgeries on my kidneys about 10 years ago, that I would find out what was actually occurring inside my body. So I got involved with a Ayurvedic protocol to really kind of clean out my system, my environment, so whatever I had wouldn't come back. And it's done a world of good. And that uh, you have to really do a deep dive on Ayurvedic medicine. It's old. It's old school medicine. It's about using a lot of natural herbs and things uh, that are good for you and are from the earth. And there's a lot of protocols that go along with that, and they're all easy to do, but it's worth doing some exploration and investigating into it and see if it's for you. So those are just five things I've done and I continue to do to keep myself feeling vital and healthy and full of energy. And as you see, I'm, I'm raring to go today. So let's get right to our interview with my special guest, Dr. Jason Loken. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, Guy's Guy's Radio. This is the interview portion of our show. We've got a very special guest, a new guest. He's a real Guy's Guy, though. His name is Dr. Jason Loken. 
He's a naturopathic doctor, osteopathic manual practitioner at Osteopathic Manual Practitioner Center for Integrative Medicine. He's got over 25 years experience in the health and wellness industry. He's a researcher, a lecturer, an author, a naturopathic doctor, osteopathic practitioner, and he's host of this very successful Inspire Health podcast. His focus is on unlocking our human potential through mind, body, and spirit. He's got a new book out. It's called Natural Care Solutions. And we're going to talk about that, about health health related items in terms of having your own first aid, first aid kit and things like that. So welcome, first of all, excuse me for fumbling there, but welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Dr. Jason. Nice to see you. Awesome. Great being here, Robert. Thanks for having me on. So let's talk a little bit about how you got to where you are now. How did you get into medicine? Why did you choose your specific path of being a naturopathic and osteopathic practitioner? Yeah, you know, back when I was a kid, um, I was the total classic bubble boy. Like, I had allergies to everything. I would actually, in, in many anaphylaxis too, I'd often, there were times where I'd ended up in the hospital um, in an oxygen tent um, from having severe asthma attacks and stuff like that. So basically, that stuff wasn't getting better. You know, sometimes you grow out of that. But I, I was in my early 20s, and I was still just as bad. And at the time, I had, um, I had actually just finished my university, and then I actually went to do massage therapy. So I actually became a registered massage therapist first. While I was doing the training for that, I got exposed to a lot of complementary healthcare. So I actually saw a naturopathic physician at that time, and it was like massive game changer. I mean, changed a lot of stuff with my diet, got me on specific things that I was out of balance with nutritionally. And within about eight months, basically, all my allergies disappeared. I wasn't, and I was used to be on like antihistamines daily and inhalers regularly and all this kind of stuff. And it just, within about eight months, it all just fizzled out and I didn't really have any troubles anymore. Now, if you still locked me in like a, a moldy room with dirty carpet and a cat or something, I'd probably still run into some troubles, but, um, but I could probably tolerate it a lot longer. But yeah, so that made a massive change in my quality of life. And it was at that time that I thought, okay, as soon as I'm done massage therapy, I'm I'm going to go and do naturopathic medicine. So, so then I applied, and then when I I got accepted to that, then I went and did the naturopathic medicine program um, out here um, in Canada. And while I was doing that, I got also more exposed to osteopathy. And and from my background in massage therapy, I always liked the hands-on work. I, I like being able to feel different layers of tissue. And there's a you know there's a lot of problems with people have with structure, and when Structures out of balance that messes up the function of the body. So that's a primary principle with osteopathy. So once I was done naturopathic medicine, I gave myself a couple of years to recuperate, and then I started that program while I was practicing. So that was another sort of a five-year part-time program and two years to do a thesis and put all that together and and then just kept going forward. But you know, part you find Robert, like when you get interested in health or, or anything. You just realize no matter how much you know, you realize how much more you still want to understand because it, it just, it's not like you know more and more. You kind of realize how little that you, you still know and how much more you want to understand things. So that's just what keeps on perpetuating. I'm currently working on a PhD in integrated medicine because it's looking at medicine from more of a quantum physics perspective because it, that really blows everything out of the water. You, you know, it's a completely new paradigm in how to look at medicine. You know, it's interesting that the human body is so complex. It's so simple, yet so complex. And there's so many more layers. It's like, you know, when you start to ski, 
and then you learn more and then it opens up or you play chess and it opens up or you learn to play the guitar and it opens up and where you learn to pitch a baseball and more and more the subtleties there the human body is probably the most intricate intricate mechanism there is that's ever been created that we know of at least and a lot of times we don't give it enough credit for the miracles that it can do so i think your work is fantastic and god bless you keep going so let's talk about your book you've got a new book as one of many and it's called the natural uh excuse me nature care solutions and it's about really having your own kind of a toolkit if you will when you go on the road and first aid and things like that what kind of inspired you to write this specific book you know we would my wife and i like to travel lots and we've got little kids so we've gotten used to traveling with them and my my girls are five and six. And so right from they've been little, we would, you know, if we were running a retreat somewhere and they would be with us. So they've gotten used to traveling, but it's one thing looking after yourself, but I definitely find when you become a parent and you've got kids, it's like a whole other layer of preparedness that you want to be for when anything happens. So I'd kind of developed my own sort of first aid kit, just getting used to traveling and managing whatever might come up. Because if you're, you know, in Costa Rica or something and you're your kid ends up with like an earache or a sinus infection or something, you, you want to know stuff that you can do right there because sometimes you're not accessible to go to the hospital or go to the doctor. Not to say that you don't want to if you, don't, if you need to, but the thing with a lot of first aid is that if you know what to do and you get on top of it quickly, you can mitigate so much stuff on your own without it ever becoming a problem. So I think having kids definitely propelled that. And then really about you know, last year we we spent close to a year in Mexico. We kind of moved the whole family out there for a period of time, and um, we were kind of became the hub of sort of first aid for like a whole group of people that were all out there. And um, just because they knew what we did, and we had a pretty elaborate first aid kit, a natural first aid kit. So we were managing, you know, sore throats and ear infections and sinus problems and you know, traveler's diarrhea and stuff. So that really, I think, made it, showed me how important it was because most people just didn't know what I would even consider like really fundamentals on what to do on, you know, how do you manage a fever? And even that a fever can be a really beneficial thing if allowed to be managed properly and not suppressed. Um, And how do you manage certain things before they become a potential problem? So it was there working with all of these families as well as my own family that, you know, then after a lot of these parents would be like, you need to write something about this and let us know because then we can kind of do it on our own too. So when we got back home, I literally sat down, I think within about a month, I, I put the book together pretty quick. It was, it was like a real passion project of putting it together after having so much firsthand experience with it. That's fantastic. You did a great job and it's very, very to the point. And there's so many, there were so many eye-opening things about products and natural cures and things that we we have right at hand that we don't think about when we could use and i guess for travel that comes in handy because when you go to another country it's a it's a crapshoot off and no pun intended because the first chapter in your book is called tummy troubles diarrhea and constipation so let's just hit on that i mean a lot of times when we travel whether it's stress related or germs or bacteria whatever you can have the runs or whatever. And sometimes I, I actually had an experience with somebody. We went on a trip to Aruba and one gal who was with us, she couldn't go to the bathroom for like four days. And, yeah. You know, it was like, what's going on here? So talk to us about why you think people have a, um, 
trouble with their stomachs, if you will, when they travel and what to do about it. Yeah, there's kind of a combination. I think with constipation, a lot of times, like bowels really like routine. And a lot of times, you know, like when you're at home, most people can kind of gauge says, yeah, I get up in the morning, I have my cup of coffee or I have my glass of water, I have a bowel movement. Like, you know, when you get into a routine, your body likes that. It, it, it knows what to do and it can rely on it. I, a lot of times when we travel, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's excitement. So there's, you know, or there's a little bit of apprehension or all these things, depending on what you're doing. And that changes the hormonal chemistry in your body. And you're also out of your room, sometimes out of your routine. Sometimes you're even in a different time zone. And so I think all of those little things for some people are, are really sensitive to, and that can kind of throw the bowels out of balance. The other thing that does take place is um, <clears throat> the, the secretory IgA, which is an immunoglobulin that lines in the mucosal lining of our body and tissues. And that tends to get decreased when we are under stress. And Travel is also one of those things that tends to decrease it. And that's kind of like a first-line defense against bacteria or viruses or whatever we might encounter. And so when we're stressed, we tend to be a little bit more susceptible to that stuff. And when we travel, that also tends to go down. So that's also why I think people don't have as much resistance or resilience to, say, stomach bugs as they might when they're back at home. Yeah. So. There's a combination of those two things that I think take place as to why people can become either constipated or they can go the other way and be more susceptible to traveler's diarrhea. Okay, so a couple of uh, natural uh, remedies for, let's take them both on, diarrhea and constipation. So constipation, usually I always first just try natural kind of things. So it's like, try to get yourself back into a regular sleep pattern and routine, um, you know, keep your hydration up move your body, like some of the real basics, just to sort of get your, get everything in, in that's there to be working properly. Um, move your body a little bit more. Sometimes like a really good exercise, it's almost like an osteopathic um, treatment that you can do on yourself. I will do a couple things. So you can actually do almost like where you suck your belly in, you breathe all the air out and then breathe all the air out, and then suck the belly in. So it sucks up as far as it can. It's almost like you're massaging this, the lower parts of the large intestine, the cecum, as well as the uh, sigmoid colon. It almost puts a bit of a stretch on it. And sometimes that stretch triggers the body to then create a, a contraction. All of these tissues kind of work on like a bit of a stretch reflex. So that's something that I would often do in the morning even, would just be roll all the air out, it's almost like if people do a yoga pose where they do cat and cow, right? And if you do that along with the breath and really suck your, your tummy in, that sometimes is enough to stimulate a bowel movement. I have found that if you work out a little bit in the morning, that gets things going, as well as coffee seems to be yeah. to get, the, get the system running. Coffee for a lot of people is a stimulant, and so it can really, really help people with their bowels. If you get to the point where like, none of that's working. And I have seen some people are like, I've been doing everything and they've been bunged up for like five days. That's where then what I always have on hand is, is a form of magnesium. Magnesium is such a great laxative. It's an osmotic laxative. So it really draws in more water, which, which sort of causes a stretch and then that's going to cause a contraction. So very little chance that you're going to have any real repercussions to it. But you can take a good amount of, say, like a magnesium oxide, which is probably the most laxative form of magnesium. Magnesium can be bound to lots of things like a citrate 
or a glycinate, and they all have sort of different purposes. But a oxide is probably the most laxative, followed by a citrate. So those forms taken in a good dose often will cause the body to, you know, even have like diarrhea, which is fine if you've been bunged up for five days. There's nothing wrong with having diarrhea for a couple of days as long as you're keeping hydrated. So the other, the flip side of the coin, Doctor Jason, is uh, diarrhea, which, which I think is more prevalent when you travel than constipation. What can uh, people do about that? So when I was talking about the secretory IgA that lowers, I think, so part of it, I think, is susceptibility. So what we usually do before we travel is I always want to do stuff to try and build more resilience so that I'm sort of preventative, so that when I do show up, I'm not kind of just running into first aid troubles. So one thing that I think works really well for everybody preventatively that you can also do at the time if it's happening is something called Saccharomyces boulardii. Saccharomyces boulardii is a type of probiotic, but it's a unique probiotic in that it's not a bacteria, it's actually a beneficial yeast. So what I find is that even when people get diarrhea from, say, having to take antibiotics, which can happen a lot of times, sometimes people need to take an antibiotic, but it also wipes out a lot of the good flora, that can be taken at the same time to kind of offset those problems. But that's one of the best um, probiotics to actually raise secretory IgA again. So it sort of supports that system before even going and rebalances out your gut flora so that you got some more resilience. And if you get diarrhea, that's still one of the first line um, treatments. Even in like classical medical texts like the Merck manual, I believe Saccharomyces boulardii and certain probiotics are one of the first lines of medical treatment for like dysentery or something along those lines, like a really bad one. Most people don't have dysentery. They might get more like salmonella or E. coli or something along those lines. But that can be a really beneficial one, is just uh, taking the right kind of probiotic. How about like food choices when you're on the road to avoid that? Um, I guess you should be a little bit conservative. I like to eat what people eat locally because I figure they know how to prepare that the best. And like, I don't order real Parmesan when I'm in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I find that that helps. But you know, some of the foods are spiced a little bit differently. And we don't know exactly what goes on in the kitchens in some places. So what would be your recommendation in terms of food choices when you travel? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've even been to like really nice restaurants before, whether that's been in Mexico or like Thailand or some of these places where you're more likely at some point to probably get something. And sometimes you still can, you know, it's like ultimately it's, it's, it's passed by hand, right? These bacteria. So, or sometimes in the water. So you have to kind of be aware of that stuff. So I don't, I wouldn't do like a lot of raws, like salads and stuff like that. I wouldn't drink local water when you're in most places. Um, I'm careful about stuff like that. I do the same thing when I'm somewhere I want to eat local anyways, also because I want to stretch my box a little bit and get used to local cuisine. One thing though, that I've also found really helpful if I ever think that I've gone to an area that that's a little bit dodgy, you know, or you finished and you're like, uh, not totally sure how that sat. Another one that I always have on hand with me is oregano oil. Oregano oil is a really good um, antimicrobial and sometimes broad spectrum. So sometimes I would take a couple of drops of that, you know, just before, just after a meal, just as sort of a bit of a prophylactically kind of making sure that I'm covering my bases. If anything's there, that I might kind of knock the load down enough that my body can kind of get on top of it. Okay. Guys, guys, radio. My special guest is Dr. Jason Loken, naturopathic doctor, osteopathic manual practitioner. We're talking about his book, 
Nature Care Solutions. And it's got five chapters about, uh, six chapters about different uh, things you can bring along in your medical kit. We talked about tummy trouble. There's flu and immune support, fever, comfort, ears and sinus congestion, bumps, bruises, scrapes, and also bites, stings, and rashes. Let's, let's talk about, we don't have to go through every chapter of the book because we want people to buy it, <laughs> but let's, let's talk about the supplements. What supplements do you find? Um, well, let's, let's, let's take it a different direction. Let's talk about the kit itself before we move to supplements. What should you bring along? Because I bring supplements with me when I travel, but for the kit itself, the first aid kit, what are the core components you should have with you? So it, it really does kind of tie back to some of the different chapters and um and also what we've done is so we've kind of gradually keep sort of expanding on our kit and playing with it and, and what i did in the book is i have a link to um where you can actually go and check out most of the supplements that we actually use in our first aid kit from from a full script account where people can get 15 percent off of them or they can check them wherever they are and grab something very similar to it but it'll kind of break down what are some of the big ones they need. So there's sort of two different pieces. What I've created here is what I think people need to have more is like acute care. So when something comes up, what do you want to have on hand? Outside of that, I also think it's beneficial to have more like a home kit where you're kind of managing different things, but that's usually a bit more individual and, and preventative. When it comes to this stuff, you, you, some of the big ones I think that people need to learn how to also use would be so there's supplements, but then there's something like, say, a neti pot. I don't know if you've ever used a neti pot, Robert, but a neti pot is absolutely gold. Like, you don't really have anything else that you can use that actually goes up and out the other side and really clears the sinuses. And I'm, I'm starting with that because there's been so much concern around upper respiratory tract problems and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I was even reading a paper a little while ago it was actually showing like neti pot. Now they were saying this, this study was specifically tied to stuff around COVID, but I would say this would be with any upper respiratory tract infection. They found that if you used neti pot with just saline, you decrease your risk of hospitalization by 8.5 times if you did that at the first symptoms of getting um, COVID for, for this example. Now, whatever though, to me, it doesn't really make any difference what you're talking about. What happens is that you're basically flushing out the load that can build up in that area almost immediately. And so this is one that we've gotten our kids used to doing really early on. And now my five-year-old can take the neti pot and you know knows what to put into and can lean down and clean out her whole sinuses. But that's such a big one because with kids particularly, if they are starting to get the first signs of like sinus congestion, it's not too difficult for that to then end up because the eustachian tube is related to the ears. You know, before you know, it can go from sinus, sinus infection, ear infection, and now you're getting into the role where you might need to be taking antibiotics or something. So the neti pot, just for our listeners who may not be aware of it, it it's actually very inexpensive. What exactly is it and how does it work? So you can get it in two different ways. It literally looks like a little tea, teapot that you just fill with distilled water or, or filtered water and a little bit of saline solution, um, which you can get in little packs or a little scooper. Um, and you put that in and you plug part of it into the nose and you lean it. And just by gravity, it goes up and then it comes back out the other side. So the saline goes up one nostril through the sinus and then out the other side and sometimes out the mouth a little bit too. It sounds kind of 
weird and it is a little bit weird when you first try it but it, it actually is really easy to do but it's one of the best ways to just do a complete nasal lavage throughout the whole area so that's a really to me a must-have because at first signs of something like that going on just doing saline just a saline solution can mitigate it substantially and we usually amp it up by putting like a drop of say provodone iodine 10 percent in there which is incredibly powerful antimicrobial, massive broad spectrum. And the provodone part of iodine actually allows it to linger for up to two hours as a bit of a protective barrier. So that's a really good one for you know, all the worries we have around stuff with kids getting upper respiratory tract, colds, flus, that kind of stuff, um, and preventing it down the road. And not just for kids, but for adults too. And it's, it's one of the standard ones that I will do regularly. Well, let me ask you about iodine because... Um... We've been taking it in our household. We've got a couple of drops of Bluegills or Pro yep. or whatever, and with some water. And I'm not sure what it does, but my wife says, take this, and we give it to our son also. And what does it do, actually, iodine? Iodine is classically probably deficient in most, most people. Most people don't get enough iodine. The iodine that they put in salt is not really enough to support the body. And also, a lot of people have a fear of salt, so then they avoid salt and uh, really they should be having more of like a Celtic sea salt or a healthy, well-balanced salt. But iodine plays lots of different functions in the body, but it's probably more mostly directed we think about with as I think of in, in sort of sort of three big ways. Plays into lots, but these would be the three big ones that I think about it. Number one, it's essential for optimal thyroid function. So you need to have enough, but you don't want to have too much. There's a, you know, there's a line on that. And some people do have to be a little bit careful if you've got more of like a Hashimoto syndrome, like a um, uh, autoimmune condition with the thyroid, you, you know, talk to your doctor about it and see if that's actually appropriate for you. But iodine can be really beneficial if you are deficient and then to get you back into more of an optimal zone. So it helps with, say, metabolism. Thyroid governs all metabolism of the body. So when your optimal function for thyroid, then your temperature starts to regulate better, your energy is better, you burn fat better. Um, all of these things start to improve better. Your bowel movements are better. It plays a lot of, a lot of people are actually subclinically low in thyroid function, I would say. So that would be one of the big ones would be thyroid. Okay. So what else uh, should we put in our uh, uh, first aid kit when we go on the road, at home and on the road? Yeah, so I think some stuff that has kind of a couple dual purposes is helpful. So um, one of the ones that I like for, say, at first signs of like a sore throat, but also you can use for bump scrapes and stuff like that, would be something like a propolis spray. So a propolis, like a bee propolis spray, which is kind of like a honey and a propolis blend. Both very antimicrobial. You open up, easy for kids to take too because it tastes kind of like honey but that's one that you can spray into the back of the throat to kill anything that might be back through there and it's also the same one we use if my kids scrape their knee or something i can spray that on it and then bandage it up properly so that it acts as an antimicrobial so you don't have to have um other sort of harder stronger antimicrobials if you don't need to um other things that i think can be really beneficial i think a good quality um, colloidal silver, I think, can go a long way too. I like colloidal silver. You can, it can go a long way. You can use that as a nasal spray. And again, you can also use that topically for things. And you can also use it as a eardrop to go into the ear for ear infection. So what, sometimes what I like are some of these ones that you can use for multiple 
places at the same time. Colloidal silver I can do as a spray for my nose. I can do as a topical on an area as an antimicrobial. And I can use it as an eardrop too for something along those lines. On, on, on cuts also, right? Yeah. I think we talked even before this around activated charcoal you were doing. Yes. I like activated charcoal a lot. Activated charcoal you can use for a couple of different things. So we always have that too. If you get the first signs of, like we had talked about before with um, tummy troubles, if you had diarrhea, it's a great binder. You will suck up a lot of garbage in the body and, and you will, you know, you'll poop it out and you'll see your poop's going to look black. So um, just make sure you know you're taking activated charcoal and then you don't have to be freaked out when your poop turns black. But that's a great one to sop up some of the stuff that you don't want in there. It's also a really good topical that you can use for um, like scrapes and as well as for bee bites or spider bites or things like that. Charcoals are really, really powerful absorb, uh, absorbent. So we'll actually do activated charcoal, and then I might mix that with a demulcent herb like ground flax or chia seed. So it actually becomes sort of thicker, right? And then you can even put that on um, saran wrap or something and freeze it, and then basically take that out, chop it, and just stick it on. And then, then sort of bandage it on so it stays there. And that actually really takes the sting out of uh, bee stings and spider bites and even itch from mosquito bites if you've got stuff like that. And you also mentioned uh, sunshine and uh, lemon and ginger, some natural things that we have around or we can pick up anywhere. But tell us about lemon, because people don't realize that uh, the wonders of lemon. We, my wife and I started taking uh, pure lemon juice, either organic volcano juice or we get lemons here in California, and we squeeze them out, and we drink about a half a glass through a long metal straw. So we almost like shoot it past our mouth down our throat because citrus apparently, from what I've read, can do have some corrosion on your teeth. So we put it right through there, and then we uh, rinse out with salt water. And we do this every day. We've been doing it all month. We've on a kind of a a uh, cleanse throughout a bit January. Of a cleanse, yeah. Uh, which I mentioned to you, which was charcoal, magnesium, citrate, potassium citrate, and then lemon juice every day. So I, one, what do you think of that, number one? And number two, people take, and I got you off track with lemon, so I forgive me. So let's start with lemon, okay. and then we'll we'll go to these <laughs> cleanses, because really what I want to get to is there's so many different supplements, and people get interested that, you know, the it opens up to millions of things almost. And I guess the question becomes, does this tox your liver and kidneys over time? Do you need supplements all the time or should you kind of cycle them? <clears throat> all of that stuff. But let's start with lemon and forgive me for getting off track there, doctor. No, no problem. I, I like lemon for lots of stuff, I think. And, and like you said, it's, I think if it's similar to like apple cider vinegar in that regard, is that, um, sorry, you might hear my dogs jumping around <laughs> back there somewhere. Um, lemons, lemon's like good for the liver in a lot of ways because that, the this the sourness of it, right? It's the sometimes the sensation and tasting it first causes a stimulation of getting things to squirt that need to squirt. So it gets your it gets your stomach acid to start to activate. It starts to get your pancreatic enzymes to start to release and it starts to get digestive tract moving. So a lot of times in Chinese medicine, the flavor and the taste relate very much with different organ systems. And so sour has always been a really good one as, a as just like a digestive stimulant, as are bitters. Bitter herbs are also really good for that too. So taking that initial, I think, is just good for getting 
your digestive function working really well and, and getting that to go. Sometimes people will have water, warm water and lemon in the morning, and that kind of kickstarts their bowels. You can also use lemon topically for things too. Sometimes you can even put lemon on bug bites and stuff too, and it can take the sting out of it. Um, <clears throat> so what I like about some of the plants, like some of the ones that I, you know, are easy to get that can, that can play a role in lots of stuff. Lemon's a really easy one to do. I really like ginger a lot too. Ginger is such a great broad spectrum one, whether you're taking it as a tea for as an anti-inflammatory or you're chopping, grating it up and putting it on like a tendonitis or a sore um, shoulder or elbow because it's got these anti-inflammatory parts. These are all really easy and accessible almost anywhere that you go. Okay. Let's get to it. And again, forgive me for getting off track there. I want to get to supplements for a minute because I bring mm -hmm. supplements on the road with me and I have so many different ones that I take all the time. And I'm wondering, it, it, do these ta tax your liver and your kidneys? And should you be cycling supplements? Does it matter which ones? Because there's so many that are available. And over time, like you're taking 20, 30 pills a day, you're wondering, you know, obviously you want to get most of the nutrition or the help that they give you from natural products and from food. But in some cases, because of the way our food system is, we may not get enough of it and we have to counter some of the negativity that's in some of the foods from the, whatever, from the soil or from, you know, pesticides or whatever. So talk to us about supplements and how could we can be smart about what supplements we take and then on the road, what supplements would, should we put in our medical kit? Yeah. So let's start about supplements in general. So one of the books I wrote years back was called Top 10 Lab Tests. And, and I did that because when you, when you start to see people getting lab tests conventionally, most of the time they often get told that everything is fine, yet they still don't feel fine. And I, I heard that so many times that I decided to really kind of dive into that. And so part of what I looked at was assessing certain lab tests that even assess specific key nutrients, because that's not something that's conventionally done. And a lot of times, even if they are done, what is considered a reference range and then what's considered an optimal zone are very different. And so I really broke that down because I found over and over again that certain populations, well, most of the world population is very deficient in key things. And so I still think people ultimately should get them tested to get a baseline and then to make sure that when they are taking them, that they're actually working and that you're seeing your levels adjust and that you're absorbing it okay because that absorption could be a whole different issue. Big ones that people are often deficient in is like, across the board, I'd say most people are low in vitamin D, especially if you are, you know, north of the border and between October and probably May, the UVB that we need to make vitamin D just doesn't reach but, far enough to help us make it. So almost everybody's low in that. The sunshine vitamin. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I will see that classically. And if you wear sunscreen, it will block it almost 100%. Like, um, I remember having a patient going out to Florida Keys. I checked him. Before he left, he went for two weeks, came back totally bronzed, checked him, and he had gone up about three points. Um, but sunscreen totally blocked it. So you have to have safe sun without burning, but getting, you know, it's a whole other story, Robert, but like sun's been completely demonized. And it's like sun burning is bad. Sun exposure is good. Just don't burn. That's really at the heart of it. Yeah. Um, other ones that I would classically see low in people would be magnesium but you have to check a red blood cell magnesium, not a serum magnesium to know. People are low in magnesium. People are low out of balance almost all the time in omega threes and sixes. So their fatty acid ratios. A lot of people are always low in zinc. 
and usually out of balance between zinc and copper, which can cause actually attention issues, anxiety, all sorts of different things too. Um, iodine, sulfur, I mean, so much stuff is really low now. Even even like B12, a lot of people are quite low in. What do you so think I think it's good. Sorry. So I think it's okay. good to get a bit of a of a picture. That's where sometimes some testing is helpful just to narrow down like, what do you really need? Because otherwise you do end up taking more and more and more stuff and you don't always need all of it. There's not a lot of chance that you're going to run into problems where it's going to really affect your liver or your kidneys. It's like it, it doesn't really work quite like that. You're not, it's not like medications where you, they will cause damage to things. Most nutrients are, are really safe at even quite massive doses. So I, I rarely ever find problems with that unless someone actually has, say, kidney damage or they've got an issue, then that's a different story. But if they've got a fairly clean bill of health and no specific pathology, most of that stuff I don't find a big deal for the vast majority of people. There's a couple of new ones that have come up recently that become popular, quercetin uh, and also agashawanda. What do you think of those? Yeah, so quercetin has been used for a long time as, a, as sort of um, helping along with, say, allergic types of responses because it acts kind of like an anti-inflammatory. But where it came up more recently is because it is, is acts like what's called a zinc ionophore. So it actually helps with the absorption of zinc. And with all of the conversation around viruses and um, immune system health and all of this stuff over the past few years, zinc has been a really important one, which I was really glad to see because it brought more awareness to actually how deficient most people are in zinc and how essential it is for an optimal functioning immune system and so much more. Something that's so important with nutrients that we need to remember Nutrients play as the cofactors for the smooth running of most, if not all, of the different biochemical reactions that take place in the body, often hundreds and hundreds of different reactions. So if they're deficient, we start to run into issues with the smooth running of lots of different reactions in the body that govern just about every system we can think of. Now, you mentioned quercetin. I mentioned, I talked about quercetin. I like quercetin. I think that can be really beneficial. Ashwagandha, also known as withania, an old school herb we've used forever. It's one of the best herbs for assisting with the, uh, like an, as an adaptogenic herb. It helps our adrenals and sort of supports stress. So I think a lot of people can be on them. Those types of things, though, are not always, you never, you don't always want to start something and then be on it for the end of time. You should sort of assess something like adrenal herbs or immune system herbs. You don't want to be doing that all the time, especially herbs. Nutrients, sometimes you can be on a longer term as long as you check periodically to make sure you're not taking too much of something. Herbs, I think, are best to be cycled. It's like if I'm going to take ashwagandha and do really focus on my adrenals, then I'm going to check to see where I am, and then I'm going to really focus on them and incorporate herbs like ashwagandha, maybe even ginseng or Siberian ginseng or some of these different herbs that are supportive. And I'm going to do that maybe for a couple of months or so to really sort of support my system. And then I might kind of back off of it and see how I'm doing. Otherwise, you can run into problems with becoming sort of dependent on some of those things. Um, no different than, than certain drugs and stuff like that, too, if you take for too long. Great point. Uh, Dr. Jason Loken, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio. He is really amazing naturopathic doctor, osteopathic manual practitioner successful author. We're talking about his book today, Natural Care Solutions, which is uh, really about how to get your medical kit together, whether you're at home or on the road, 
and I'm throwing a lot of different questions because I'm so passionate about uh, health as and aging and longevity. And that's one of the things we do here on Guys Guys Radio. So let me ask two questions about one about men as they age and one about women, uh, Dr. Jason. One is for men, obviously the prostate slowly grows over time. There's the PSA and all of that. And then there's there's some of the supplements, soft palmetto, stinging nettle. What can men do uh, naturally to kind of manage their prostate care? Mm-hmm. One thing I think is really important to to mention, and then I'll jump into that too, is I I interviewed a fellow early on. I was probably like, we're we're getting upwards now of around 200 episodes. And I think this was down like, like around 12 or 13 or something. And I read a book and um, the book was called The Illusion of Certainty. And it was this um, PhD researcher from the States that also wrote this book with a medical doctor, a follow-up to this too. And they were basically looking at a whole bunch of medical testing that was done and how actually effective is it? And so one of the big take-homes that came from that was that the way we analyze data has changed, and it's changed in a way that is not very accurate with what it means to us. So we've moved from things that were originally, to make an informed decision on a, on a treatment, we want to look at things from a point of view of absolute risk. What is the absolute risk for me to do or not do this specific thing? And everything got switched to what's called a relative risk, where the numbers mean something completely different. And what he was saying and what the author with this, basically they looked at this exact same studies, taking things from a relative risk saying, oh, it's got a 50% improvement if you do this and you get this specific testing. And they looked at it from an absolute risk and they came way down to literally like about like a 0.1% improvement, like, mm-hmm. like markedly different. So that, that was a really eye-opener for me. And so what they looked at was even like, they looked at colonoscopies, they looked at mammograms, they looked at um, prostate-specific testing and PSA as well as digital rectal exam. And they really found like there was no real benefit in the end result of whether you're going to live or die almost from cancer if you were getting just a regular screening without symptoms. So kind of an aside, just so that guys don't have to freak out about prostate cancer stuff, because a lot of times... Um, you know, there can be an industry in medicine sometimes too. There's a lot of benefits to it, but sometimes there's things that aren't always um, super beneficial. So that'd be something to kind of look into. When I think about prostate, because a lot of times what happens is people die and then in a cadaver, like they just die of old age. Then they look at the cadaver and almost most men have prostate cancer developing. A lot of men will have prostate cancer in a cadaver that they will see that never, they never knew about and would never create any problems. The vast majority of prostate issues are very slow growing and most of the time do not ever become a problem. So it would be just sort of being aware that that's not, um, doesn't always have to be an issue. Things though, I think first I would do across the board is just get, I mean, when you look at health and I know you're aware of this, Robert, there's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual bodies of health. And all of these things are important to address. The longer I've been in healthcare, the more I see that it's like, there's definitely stuff we can do on the physical that's really important, but like clearing a lot of stuff, like, you know, if, if we got a big emotional burden and we've been sitting with resentment for most of our life and not letting that go, or we've got 
so much stress playing into things. I really think those create the blueprint for ill health to develop over long term. So those would be things that I think across the board are big picture stuff to to basically unlock our natural ability to heal so that we don't run into so many problems. So that would be the first part. Specifically around prostate, though, I I like stuff like um, um, salt palmetto is probably one of the best ones. Zinc is a really big one because you know when you run into problems with that, it's a it's a poor conversion of testosterone. It's when testosterone is getting converted over to DHT, which is the one related to um, all of the problems that we think about with too much testosterone. So mitigating that is really helpful. Salt palmetto, um, pygium. Zinc, these are all things that can be supportive. And when you look at prostate formulas, those are usually things that are all sort of a part of that. But I would do that in conjunction with all of these other bigger bodies of work that I think really open us up to living a more fulfilling life anyways. Real quick, because last question, because we're running on time, but I mentioned women, collagen. Sometimes women get to the menopause and after that they have collagen issues and not every woman eats fish. And how can they get collagen when they're, when they're losing it? Yeah, collagen's a really easy one to get now. I mean, it's and it's really exploded over the last few years. I think because people have been more aware that um, they often need the building blocks because collagen plays into you know all of these different areas, whether it's skin, hair, nails, joints, all of these types of things. So you can get a pretty good quality, um, like organic um, collagen powder that people can take. I think that's probably the easiest way to do it. Other than if you're getting, you know, good quality bone broth and you're getting collagen from that, that's probably the best way to do it. Outside of that, getting a good quality collagen and and just sprinkling a, a tablespoon a day or so into a protein smoothie or into your soup or whatever it might be, it's pretty tasteless, easy to take. Okay. Dr. Jason Loken, uh, the first of what I hope will be multiple appearances here on Guys Guys Radio because it's got so much great information. And again, it's all about, you know, you need to take care of yourself. This is not saying Western medicine doesn't work or anything, but on your own, day to day, you have to really be mindful of how to work with your body and how to use what's around us and available. So the name of the book, the new one is Nature Care Solutions. Um, The name of the podcast is Inspire Health Podcast. And the name of my special guest is Dr. Jason Loken. Where can they find you, folks? Easiest place is go to the inspirehealthpodcast.com website. You can check everything from there. You can even find links to see me um, more my clinical site. And if you go to the inspirehealthpodcast.com and just scroll down a little bit, you'll see access to the book or you can click on books and you can check out, um, that's that guy right there. Yeah. And you can check that out and get access to all of those different areas. And there's a free download that I put on there too called Dissolving Origins of Disease. I did a seven-part mini-series where I break down what I think just from my time in healthcare and from interviewing different guests, like seven big areas that I think are at the heart of most of the problems that we run into. So it gives you a good overview of that and links to some of the different episodes where I interviewed specific guests around different topics. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jason. Pleasure to meet you. I hope to come back and uh, great job. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks so much, Robert. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, terrific interview with Dr. Jason Loken. 
He's a naturopathic doctor, osteopathic manual practitioner, podcast host, etc. And there was so much to cover. I was so excited. I had so many questions because this is an area I'm passionate about in terms of wellness and longevity, and especially for us guys, how we can keep ourselves going because there's so much stress on us and there's so much going on out there that we need to do whatever we can do. Our physicians and Western medicine, they're there. They're lifesavers. It saves my life a couple of times. And, and we're not diminishing that by any means, but we're saying that on a day-to-day basis, we have to find ways of keeping ourselves healthy and well before we get to the doctor, because then we'll be a really good patient. I remember when I went in for my surgeries, my doctor said, hey, we love patients like you because you take care of yourself and you should do fine throughout the process. And fortunately, I, I have, and here I am to, to prove it. <laughs> so the bottom line is, I think what we learned from Dr. Loken is that there's so many tools out there in nature and natural foods and some really good supplements that come from nature that we can really make a good effort in terms of keeping ourselves going each and every day, whether it's ginger, honey, um, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, sunshine, exercise. There's just so much we can do just on a day-to-day basis. So keep that in mind and good health to you. Guys, Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio in Southern California at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 106.5 FM. 10.50 a.m. The podcast, YouTube, and Rumble post worldwide on Thursdays. We're on UK Health Radio, digital radio station, worldwide, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You can catch me on my website, robertmanni.com. I've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness. You can download three free chapters of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which is about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been called the male successor to Sex in the City. It's a rom-com, but it's really about something, and it's really been the source material for everything Guy's Guy. You can also catch me all over social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and I'd love to hear from you. And I'm also often a guest on many other shows uh, across social media and YouTube, particularly uh, you can find me often on Second Act TV, which is a a show about your best of life, really, after the age of 50. So thank you so much for your support. I want to thank all my guests, my 700-plus guests that I've interviewed over the years, Chris, my wonderful producer, Ryan, my strategy cohort, if you will, and most of all, I want to thank you, our growing global audience. It gets bigger and bigger every week. I'm so appreciative. I've got so many great guests to bring you and so much more information that I think you'll consider to help you live your best life. And until next week, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.